Welcome everybody to another segment of Halakha with the Rabbi. Uh, the Rabbi will be talking about uh, we're talking about Kabbalat Shabbat, continuing on the of Kabbalat Shabbat. So uh, if anybody wants to call in with questions, the number is 718-683-5858 or to text in your questions, you can call 347-927-8398. Chavod Rabbi. Thank you, Rabbi David. Okay, we'll begin. We'll continue our shiur. This is the Halakha hour, and we are learning off the Ben Yishai, the Halakhot of Kabbalat Shabbat, and really, we're almost by Kabbalat Shabbat. Really, by uh, right before Kabbalat Shabbat, we're still preparing for Shabbat Kodesh. We're in Parashat Lech Lecha, <coughs> Halakha Yutet, in the second year of the Ben Yishai, and where we use the Ben Yishai, like we said in the beginning, as a base to go through the different Halakhot. Last week, this is a continuation. This is already the third class on Parashat Lech Lecha. Hopefully, we'll finish it today and continue which is actually the halakhot of Kabbalah Shabbat itself. And we just want to comment a little bit from a little bit of a review from last week. Last week we spoke about preparing oneself and especially what to wear for Shabbat. We mentioned wearing different garments and I just want to highlight it again if it wasn't clear last night, uh, not just last night, but last week, is that a person who is wearing white on Shabbat, it's brought down by the Mikubalim, a person should wear white and there's different kavanot. But we mentioned that a person should be careful not to stick out and shouldn't look weird. And therefore, it's good enough, even al pi Kabbalah, if a person wears four garments that are white, and the four garments correspond to the four letters of the Shem Hashem, Yudke Vavke, and each garment corresponds to a different letter. In fact, the Arizal itself, this I did not point out last week, the Arizal itself, it's brought down by his students, that he used to wear... Sometimes when it gets very cold, he would wear something under his clothing, which kept him warm. I don't know if it was exactly a scarf or something else, but it was not the color white. And the students point out that as long as you have the four garments, that's good enough. So therefore, you could still accomplish that, men or women, by wearing something white without looking weird. You could, like we mentioned, the undergarments could are white. You see, seat is white, a sh- white shirt, a white tie. Already you've done it, you've, you've accomplished it, you've wore four garments that are white, and that's very, very normal and accepted in dress in our circles. We're up to now, Halakha Yutet. Halakha Yutet, we're not going to spend much time on it. It's much more complicated than just a simple thing over here. Halakha Yutet talks about making a Nairuv on Friday in preparation for Shabbat. This is one of the things that the Arizal, I mean, excuse me, the Ben Nishai points out, that person has to be careful in preparing himself for Shabbat. If you share a yard, if you share any area with another Jew, so the halak, meaning to say, he, you each have your own separate incomes, and in most cases, you'd have to probably make an Ayruv Hatserot, which means the Hachamim were gozer, Hachamim decreed that anytime two Jews are sharing an area on Shabbat, that area needs an Ayruv Hatserot, and the details exactly how to make it, and is it required or not required, that is way, way too uh, complicated for this class over here and needs its own discussion by itself. Hopefully, hopefully, we'll have one time. Maybe we'll talk about it. But in any case, a person should check with his rabbi in any shul that you pray. If where you live, you need Erub Hatzirot. But just to point out, if you do need Erub Hatzirot, so over here he brings down that the Menhag of the Arizal was that every Friday he would make sure to do the Erub Hatzirot. He himself, however, says, we would make our Eruv Hatzirot, says the Ben Yishai, and We wouldn't do it every single Friday. We would do it, says the Ben Yishai, once a year. 
because the idea of an Iruv is that basically you have a Sa'uda which you and your neighbor or you, whoever is with you, your tenant, your landlord, you're sharing a meal. So therefore, since you're partners with the meal, you also become partners as well with this courtyard or whatever area that you're sharing together. Now, this is very, very common in places where it's a two-house apartment. Many houses in our neighborhood that have two-houses apartments. Apartment buildings is a little bit more complicated. You really have to check with your rabbi exactly what to do if you're allowed to carry in those areas or not. Sometimes yeah, sometimes that. It's not so simple. There's a lot of different opinions. Hazon Ish, Rav Moshe Feinstein, and, and different explanations exactly what is considered a or one reshut means to say one area or two areas. In any case, if you do have to make it, it's sufficient. You could do it even once a year, as long as the meal that you're providing for the eruv remains throughout the year. And that could be accomplished by making eruv hatsrot with a box of matzot. Because the matzah, we know it stays, I don't know, say fresh, but it doesn't spoil throughout the whole year. And sometimes a few years even, it could remain with you. So therefore, that was the minhag of the Beni uh, who would make Eruv Hatzot with the Matzot, as well as the minhag of many people today, when they make Eruv Hatzot, they should make a Matzot. Again, I stress that if a person lives or shares any part of his house with a neighbor, a Jewish neighbor, <coughs> even a non-Jewish sometimes, you have to go to your local rabbi and ask what to do if you have not done Eruv Hatzot, and also check with your neighbor, because sometimes you don't know. In these halakhot, you could make Eruv on behalf of your neighbor without his knowledge, and that could work. And you have to know if your neighbor is religious, not religious, mean to say, if he, is he Shomer Shabbat? Does he keep Shabbat? Or does he desecrate Shabbat in public? So, again, it makes a difference. I'm just highlighting certain points that a person should go ahead and take it further. You got to do your own homework and continue and to see what would, you know, what should be done. Next halakha, we'll go jump to halakha chaf. <coughs> Doing melachot on Fridays. This is a halakha that's brought down in Shohan Haruch. Doing melachot over here, melachot that we, we speak about, besides the 39, not just the 39 melachot that we're talking about in the uh, on Shabbat, but melachot that are forbidden out of Shabbat, these are melachot that will be extended. I mean to say, they will not free you, the, you could get carried away with the melacha that you won't be able to be ready on Shabbat. So there's a halacha that's brought down as follows. Asul asof melacha be'arib Shabbat min zaman min haqqet tanawul ma'ala. It's forbidden for a person to do a melacha on Friday, beginning from the time of Minhaketana. What does it mean Minhaketana? <coughs> if there's small, there's got to be big, right? In comparison, there's Minhaketana and there's Minhagedola. Minhagedola means that the earlier time to pray Minha, which is the earliest time, which is usually about a half an hour after Hatzot Hayom. Okay, that is called Minha Gedola. Why is it called Gedola? Because you have longer time. To, you, to pray that minha. That's why it's called Gedola. There's another time on the, on the Zman, on the daily uh, Zmanim, and that's called Minha Ketana. Minha Ketana means the later time to pray Minha, which is, according to Allah, it's nine and a half hours from the morning. And that's a little bit too complicated to really explain because it really depends on the day. In the summer, will be a little bit later. Obviously, in the winter, will be a little earlier. In any case, Allah says that on Friday afternoon, a person is forbidden to do melachot on Ayyub Shabbat from the time in Hakitana and onwards. Even though there are opinions that say, because the Gemara says, you're not allowed to do melachot beginning Ayyub Shabbat, which is Minha. Uh, excuse me, you're not allowed to do melachot on Ayyub Shabbat at Minha time. Some hold even goes from Hakitana. In any case, says the Benish Hai, 
Halakha is Since the whole is surah is only drabanan, it's a decree that's rabbinical. The rule is safik drabanan Some opinions say that minha that hakamin refer to is minha and some say it's minha We say safik drabanan We can be lenient, and therefore, if a person needs to do melacha on Friday afternoon, you could do it up till minha Now, what kind of melacha are we talking about? What does it mean melacha? Melacha, like we ex- we explained, it's the, 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 let's understand the reason first. The reason for forbidding this melacha on Friday afternoon is that a person should have ample time, enough time that he should prepare himself for Shabbat. Imagine a person is busy building and he's building his building till a moment before Shabbat. When are you going to prepare yourself for Shabbat? Now, nobody plans to work till last second. We all know. We all prepare ourselves. We all say we're going to just have another five more minutes. But the Yitzhah knows much better than us. And therefore, we begin a melacha and we get lost in it. And then we, all of a sudden, we, without realizing, all of a sudden, we're right before Shekiah. And sometimes, we could even go into Shekiah. So the Hakimim said, stop. You have to make a fence. Arab Shabbat on Friday afternoon, when it comes to Minhag Ketana, that's it. No more melacha. No more five minutes. But even though I have enough time, I have about an hour and a half left until two and a half hours left, excuse me, until I could go, I could get ready for Shabbat. doesn't make a difference. You have to stop here. Because we know how you can get lost. However, which melacha is forbidden? That's only regular real melacha, like building, uh, sewing, things that could get carried, you could get it carried away with it. But prakmatia muterit, regular buying and selling, which is most of our jobs today, just buying and selling, that is mutar. Even though says even though there's ahronim, who say even regular business dealings, you, you have a store, technically, you could still have your store open and buy and sell after this time. Still, you most uh, of the places are, he's telling you that there are no hague to be matir. And as you see till today, many people close their shops very late. As a side point, let me explain what I mean over here. You know, what, 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 even though it's mutar, you, just, you should know that even though things are mutar according to halakha, sometimes you have to see yourself if your schedule allows you to keep the halakha or not. Keep the idea in mind. Hakamim made a gezira. And like we said many times in the rules of the gezirot of the hakamim, decrees of the hakamim, they make a decree and they have to make it across the board and hopefully to accommodate as much people as possible. Will there be exceptions? Would it be that sometimes the decree will not apply, will not be able to affect everybody? Yeah, it's true that sometimes there will be exceptions, but the hakamim made a gezira. They try to be able to accommodate as many people as possible. In this case, Hakamim made wanted to make sure that you are ready for Shabbat. So now they figured if you do melacha, like writing a sefer Torah or writing back then, writing was considered a skill that not everybody had. You could be hired you as a sofer not just to write a sefer Torah, but to just to write letters. So if somebody comes to you and you're allowed to do melacha up to Shekiah, somebody comes to you and says, "Can you do me a favor? Could you write me a letter?" You know, and he pays you for it. So now he's sitting there writing a letter, giving a haircut, all these other things. All of a sudden, you, you get carried away, and right before Shikai, you're ready by Shabbat. You don't have time to prepare yourself for Shabbat. So they said, okay, that's Asur. But when it comes to regular buying and selling, how long does it take? A guy to buy and sell. Right? Five seconds, ten seconds. He wants the item, and he gives you the money. You give him the item, and it's over. But today, we know that, unfortunately, a person, even though he could go in accordance with Allah, he could lose the whole purpose, the point of the Allah. The point of the Allah was that you should have enough time to prepare yourself for Shabbat. Lo'alenu today, especially if you work far from your home and you have to travel through a highway, Friday afternoon, rush hour, it's always during rush hour. No matter when it is, when you leave Friday afternoon, it's going to be rush hour. 
And a lot of times people get stuck on the road and then they have to come a few seconds before Shabbat. And sometimes you could see in the shul, you could see who came early to prepare himself for Shabbat and who didn't. People who normally shave on a daily basis or twice a week, three times a week, you see, and they come in Shabbat, not shaving. Why? I came home late. I had to rush. What happened? Well, I got this and that and that. According to Halakha, really, did the guy do anything wrong? No. But at the same time, a person has, you know, like we're going to see, the post scheme say, Muhammad Rosh he has to be smart a little bit. You should know, you should know yourself. How, do you, how much time do you need to prepare for Shabbat? How long do you need to travel? You have to take, you have to consider what, what if there's, um, what if there's traffic on the road? You know, how many people take in consideration when they have to travel to the airport? How many hours do you have to be earlier before? How much do you have to come beforehand to the airport? Why? Because you have to have enough time to board on the plane. I don't want to miss my airplane. I don't want to miss my flight. And what do you mean? Who says there's going to be traffic at 5 a.m.? Well, just in case there's traffic, you don't want to hit traffic. Every Shabbat, we have to prepare. Hashem is coming over. We have to have come home in time. I have kids in the house after shower. I have other people in the house that are going to use the shower. How many showers do you have in the house? And you need enough time for you to prepare yourself for Shabbat, men, women. Whatever that time that you figure it out, you have to give that time and a little bit more so you should prepare yourself. So although we have certain halachot that we have to keep or not, mean to say we're allowed to buy and sell, all these things, but at the same time, like we said, a person should make sure that he should give himself enough time to prepare himself for Shabbat. That's the purpose of the Gezerah. So even though things are mutar, sometimes you have to forbid it on yourself. You have to close your store three hours a little bit earlier sometimes because you know that for you to get home and to be ready for Shabbat, you need three hours. So you have to custom make your own schedule and keep in mind what the, um, what the Hakamim had in mind. You need time to prepare yourself for Shabbat. But again, there's certain things that even though you're giving yourself enough time, once Hakamim made a Gezerah, you still have to keep. And that is like we said over here. Melachot must stop by Menha Ketana. Okay? Menha Ketana, like we said, is going to change every week. So you have to make sure you don't do any Melachot by then. That includes, sew- that includes sewing, stitching, whatever it is. However, one thing is, in, is, in, is, uh, is an exception. And that is to do any Melacha. Litzorich HaShabbat is Mutar. Let's say... You're getting dressed on Friday afternoon. It's at about 20 minutes before Shabbat, certainly past Ben Haketana. And then you realize that your button is missing. It's a little bit loose. It's going to come off on Shabbat. It's not going to look mechubad. It's not going to be respectful that you should walk in with a suit that's missing a button here and a button there. It's not, it's not mechubad. It doesn't make a difference who you are. Kava Homer. If you're Ben Torah, and you know, the Gemara says that Ben Torah's clothing has to reflect the Torah that he, that he learns, and therefore he has to look very presentable. And you see that your button is, is, is off. So you could stitch it. Ah, sewing, you just told me sewing and stitching, that's a sur, that's a melacha. And the answer is being that it's a, it's a melacha for the sake of Shabbat, it's mutar. It's the same thing if a person comes to shul and he's checking the Sefer Torah that the Tzipur is going to read on Shabbat, and he sees that there's a few letters that need correction. Also, even though it's a melacha, he might have to write some letters, whatever it is, it's mutar. There you have a, two reasons. Number one is letzorech Shabbat. And this, by the way, applies also on Yom Tov, and it's also Litzorech Mitzvah. In these cases, it's Mutar. Other exceptions to the rule of not doing Melacha on Ayav Shabbat, it's brought down, is if a person needs to write a Hiddush, let's say he gets an idea right before Shabbat, he's reading through a book and he gets an idea, a beautiful Hiddush that he wants to write down, that's also Mutar. Even though it's not for the sake of Shabbat, you just want to write down a Hiddush that you shouldn't forget it, that's also Mutar. As a general rule, 
if you look in the halachot of Hol Moed, and you see what the halachot are mutar Hol Moed, you could do it also on Friday afternoon, even past the time of Menha Ketana. Okay? Let's go to now halacha Chaf Aleph. And this is also an important halacha. We mentioned it in, once in the past. This will follow the same theme that we just mentioned a few minutes ago with the last halacha. Meaning, we said that if a person, that there's gezerot that the hachabim make for a reason, and there's things that even though you might say, you know, it doesn't apply to me, but still the hachabim made a gezerah and then made a gezerah. Sometimes, even though you're part of the exception where it's mutar for you to do what hachabim, you know, did not include in the gezerah, but you got to be careful that you shouldn't lose the purpose of the gezerah, try to like circumvent the gezerah. The next halakha talks about having big meals on Friday afternoon, on Fridays. And these big meals, the, obviously, it's very, very simple. Why can't you have a big meal on Friday? Because we want you to come into Shabbat with an appetite. Whenever you're full, we mentioned it in the past, when a person is full, nothing tastes good. You really have to impress him. Like the Gemara says, there's always room for dessert. Dessert always tastes delicious, no matter what. So no matter how full you are, you'll have room for dessert. But if you're full already, you can't eat so much. You can't eat with an appetite for sure. The food will not be tasting good. And you need to have onik Shabbat. You need to save that pleasure for Shabbat itself. So therefore, on Fridays, Hachimim made a gizera. You can't have big meals. Now, when are you going to have a big meal? So here says the Benish Hai. What's called a big meal? Any meal that you're not accustomed to having during the weekday, you're not allowed to have it on Friday. Even from the morning, what does that mean? If you usually have every day a bagel and, and, and cream cheese or bagel and tuna, whatever it is, but you have a regular sandwich for breakfast, that's a normal sauda. To have that on Friday morning, that's not a problem because it's a normal sauda. But a big sauda, to have a big meal, many breads, many things, and a big lavish meal, that's forbidden. However, this is only true with which means a regular meal. Or even in a saudat mitzvah, meaning to say, like a brit milah, or anything that doesn't have to be at that moment, at that time. Anyway, you could have had the meal after Shabbat. Why are you making the saudat now? Even though it's a saudat mitzvah. For example, you made a siyum. And the Quran says that when you make a siyum, you should, you could make, you should make a big saudat. Why not? You, you, Baruch Hashem, it's a big accomplishment. To make it on Friday, and not just to be Messiah, but to make a big Sa'uda for the Siyum on Friday, even though it's Sa'udat Mizvah, but you could have had it later on. It doesn't have to be right then. So therefore, it should be pushed off, preferably pushed off, to a different time. You shouldn't have it on Friday, even from the morning. However, it's Sa'udat Mizvah that cannot be done at a different time. For example, Brit Milah. Torah says, On the eighth day, you have to do Brit Milah. That's a Mizvah de Raita, to have a Brit Milah, to have the bris on the eighth day. You can't push it off to another day. So therefore, you could have a bris on Fridays. In fact, um, I don't remember my bris, but my bris was on Friday, as well as all my three boys were also on Fridays. That's why, because that's, that's a Sudat Mizvah. You cannot push off the Mizvah to a different day. So therefore, we have it on Fridays. Other things, like we said, if you could, you have to push it off. Now, that is a big sauda. Fine. What about me, who is so, a regular sauda? So, sounds like a regular sauda is not a problem. Still, a person has to be careful. From Sha'a Asirit. Sha'a Asirit is a half an hour after Minha begins. 
And a person has to be careful from that not to have a sauda with bread. Why? Because the time in that case, then you're going to have an issue with coming into Shabbat full and you're not going to be able to eat the Friday night meal with an appetite. And that's where we get to halakha chafbet. That's exactly the next halakha. Even though a person is allowed to have a regular meal, like we said, you usually eat a bagel, uh, a bread, a sandwich. People eat that all the time. It's nothing special, it's nothing extra. Still, mitzvah that a person from the 10th hour of the day, by the way, the 10th hour begins from the morning, right after Netzahama, according to those opinions, you start the counting the 10 hours and these are Sha'od Zmaniyot. And it's really hard to explain in these two minutes exactly how to go through Sha'od Zmaniyot. Every time you just have to look in the on the calendar whenever they say the time to pray Minhaketana, then about a half an hour afterwards is Sha'od 10th hour. person should not have a meal with bread. Why? That's in order to come into the evening with an appetite. However, but to eat without having a sauda, without eating bread? That's not a problem. You want to have some rice, you want to have some uh, meat, some vegetables, salad, all that is mutar min hadin. Even though it's mutar min hadin, a person who's also mahmir, not to have even these foods, things that are not bread, you should get a beracha, you get a special beracha from the benishai and the, all the other post scheme that said, a person should be mahmir in this case. And we mentioned this in the past, you have to come in Friday night with an appetite. And everybody knows himself. Some people get full, you know, okay, so you, you avoided having bread. You didn't have a problem about the, uh, you didn't have the problem with the halakha, the hakameen, but you got to be careful. Sometimes you stuff, people come home from work, and I really understand, you know, they're, they're, they're working the whole day. It's a very hard day, especially sometimes with the weather, like imagine weather like today, snowy and rainy and sleet. And you're working outdoors and he's standing up your whole day. And you had a very light breakfast. You didn't have any lunch. You got stuck in traffic. You come home, you're exhausted. You showered and you're all much more tired from the hot water. And you just want to have a little bit of food, you know, for energy just to go to shul. That's understandable. And especially if you, it's a special circumstance. But sometimes a person can get carried away. And what he thinks he needs a little bit for energy, it can, it, he takes a little bit more. And what happens is that by the time he gets to shul, he's already very full and he comes back Friday night, he can barely sip the grape juice or wine because already he can't eat anymore. And when it comes to bread, he can eat the kezait, he can eat the kebetzah sometimes. So a person again knows, has to know himself, has to know how much he can handle. The purpose and the point of all this halachot is that a person has to prepare himself for Shabbat, whether through melacha, not to do a melacha, or not to eat Anything so he could have the true awning on Shabbat. Now that we're on this point, there's a halakha, uh, excuse me, there's no halakha for the following I'm about to tell you. But a Chashuva Avrech told me to say this, that he, I should point this out, and he's very, very right. And in fact, I, I try to do this myself, and I recommend that everybody should do it for himself. Since we're talking about preparing yourself for Shabbat, unfortunately what happens is that Friday night, so, you know, our lives are much busier than once upon a time. I know once upon a time, <laughs> I used to be, we're already forgetting how the world was, you know, but it used to be not as busy as we have. And by the time we come home, sometimes Friday night, we're exhausted, we're very tired. And the only people in the whole house that have energy are the kids, the children, who look forward to Shabbat. They could all sit 
on the Shabbat table, the whole family sits and eats together. It's not a half an hour meal, it's a prolonged meal, and everybody has the sheets from, from their, no matter what age they have, they have something that they learned in school that they want to share. Usually when they're very young, they're very excited to share. At a certain age, when they get older, sometimes they get very disappointed and they see, you know what, nobody cares about my homework sheet, nobody cares what I learned in school, and sometimes they fall out of it. But when they're still young, they're all excited, they want to hear, they want to say some Devrei Torah, they want to say some, some, uh, some things on the table. As we learn Parashat Vayiraf and the Benish Hai, they want a participation in the family. But unfortunately, the father, you know, which is again, very understandable, he works very, very hard. And the whole week piles up, you know, lack of sleep is one of the biggest problems. I remember once going to a doctor and uh, he said, you need to sleep a little more. I said, okay, how much do I need to sleep? She says, uh, ideally, you should sleep between six to eight hours, but I don't know who gets, you know, even six hours, six to eight hours every day. So what happens is there's called, something called sleep debt, and that is you're in debt. Your body has to sleep a certain amount, and if you don't sleep every night the same amount, then that collects over, and eventually you just collapse. And usually when you sit down to relax, all of a sudden, all the sleep that you neglected from your body for th throughout the whole week, it attacks you right away. And that happens on Friday night when you're fresh and you're clean and you come back from shul and you sit down to eat and you're, you're having another heavy meal and all of a sudden, boom, the person collapses and the kids are very disappointed because, you know, we're looking forward for the Shabbat and then we didn't get anything out. You know, the truth is, even when, when we sleep throughout the, the whole meal, we, we miss the main purpose, the main onig of Shabbat. So as a recommendation... Although Poski, may, maybe I didn't see this brought down. I don't think I saw it brought down. But I'm sure somebody eventually will start bringing it down in the new books that come out in Halakha. And that is that we have to be makbid on preparing ourselves with energy for Shabbat Kodesh. How do we do that? By getting a little bit of a nap on Ayyub Shabbat. Half an hour, an hour, whatever it is. And it has to be designated. You have to make time for this. If a person doesn't make time for Shabbat Kodesh to prepare himself for whatever he needs, whether to get yourself ready to buy the, the things for Shabbat, the things for the Saudah, to take a nap, you have to make time. It's not just going to happen. You ever notice Friday gets very busy? No matter how early you prepare, something comes up and you're always rushing the last second. It's not only you, it's everybody. Everybody. And, and the, who are the only ones that come early? You know people who come early to shul? You know people who are very well prepared? Those are people that set out time. My Hebrutah told me something amazing. He's taking a, a teaching course. He's taking a teaching course where one of the uh, you know one of the teachers over there told them that you need to learn time management. And as an example, I'm going to share with you a beautiful story and just how it all fit together. I think it's a very nice lesson for everybody to hear. So he brought a story. I uh, have a person you know, at, for example, on Shabbat, you can practice time management on Shabbat. Meaning, don't just come into Shabbat last second, 18 minutes beforehand by candlelighting time. Come in on Shabbat, right with a uh, preparing yourself, meaning to say, you come in, you have to come in a half an hour. Set yourself time that I'm going to come in before a certain amount of time for Shabbat Kodesh. So he brought the following example. One time there was a family that I believe they was an only child, or one of the children was very, very sick in the time of the Havet Hayim. So they traveled all the way to Radin to see the Havet Hayim. And the Havet Hayim at the time was very, very old. And when he, they got to Radin, they went to see the Havet Hayim and they explain the situation, how their only child is very, very sick. And the Hafiz Hayim thought about it for a second, and then he said, I'm sorry, there's nothing to do. Davin, and Hashem will help. So they felt that the Hafiz Hayim is not really giving them a proper answer. 
or, or he doesn't want to give a beracha, you know. And the attendant who usually took care of the Havetzahim knows that when the Havetzahim, how he replies, he knows what the situation is going to be. So therefore the, so therefore the attendant turned to the Havetzahim and told them, Rabbi, this is their only child. They don't have anybody else. So the Havetzahim said, oh yeah? So he turned to them, he told them, are you ready to accept Shabbat? I think it was 10 or 20 minutes earlier than when it comes. And then they said, yes, of course. If that's going to be the Rufu'at Shalimah of the child, then yes, we're ready to accept Shabbat earlier. So the Havet Sahim said, okay, in that case, I give you a beracha, that, that your child should be healthy and well, and everything should be fine. You can go home now. Mm-hmm. And miraculously, that's exactly what happened. The child recovered, he felt much better, and he was healthy, he was back to the way he was. That's the story in, uh, you know, I'm cutting out a few details, but that's pretty much the story. Good. So now, What's the of the story? What happened to Havet Haim that all of a sudden this is what he said? That what happened? What changed before and afterwards? So the so the so somebody explained that the pshat of the story is as follows. It says in the pasuk Vishamru Bnei Sayet Shabbat leDorotam Bnei Sayet have to guard the Shabbat. The word Vishamru means not just to guard the Shabbat. What it mean? It means don't be mehalei Shabbat. But perhaps the Havet Haim had a different. Meaning for the word Shamru. Shamru, we know from the Pasuk by Yosef of Yaakov Abin, who says, Abiv That his father kept the matter. What does that mean, Shamarat Dabar? It means he was waiting for the time that Yosef's dreams are going to become a reality. He knew that Yosef is going to become a, gid, uh, a king. And when he saw that the, from his dreams that he's going to become a king, the king, Abiv Shamarat Dabar, he guarded, he was waiting for the time that Yosef would become a king. So he felt. That the meaning of the word is Vishamru Shabbat If the Jewish people are careful that they anticipate and they wait in anticipation for the coming of Shabbat, it is segula for Dorotam, for their offsprings, for the generations to come. And that's why when they accepted Shabbat earlier, therefore it had an effect on their children, on that couple's children, child that was able to survive. And was able to live and become healthy. That's the story. So now Mahabrutah said, after he heard the story, he said, you know, it's a beautiful story. Um, I would like to do it. I don't know, I get rushed, I get late. You know, we all get late on Friday afternoons, but I would like to come into Shabbat earlier. Not just rush into the Shabbat, but I want to come and wait for Shabbat to come in. I want to come and wait in shul before Minha starts. Not just to rush in by Minha. So he wasn't sure to accept it or not. He went and he opened the next day. He went, and you know, I came late that day, I, so he goes and he picks up an English book, yeah. just to randomly he opens up a page, and the page that he opens up on this book that he never opened up in his life, fell out exactly on this story. So he felt, ah, if this is, this has got to be Simam and Shamaim, I'm got to come in and come into Shabbat and prepare myself earlier. So that's what we say to Botai. You have to make time. You have to have time management. You have to set out time to come earlier. It's not going to work. You know how I can prove to you that you could get yourself ready anytime? Because the, if you notice, look around in shul, the people who come late on Shabbat and they tell you, oh, it's, Shabbat is too short. They are the same people in the summer when Shabbat comes in at 8 o'clock, they're also rushing in to come to shul. What happened? If you could get yourself ready at 4 o'clock in the winter, you could get yourself ready at 4 o'clock in the summer. And if you can't get yourself ready at 4 o'clock, you can't get yourself ready at 7 or 8 o'clock because things come up. And the answer is very simple. Time management. You have to set time 
to prepare yourself to come. That's why the Hakamim made these gezerot. And that's what we have to do as well. We have to make time to prepare ourselves for Shabbat or for the, um, not just Shabbat, but for everything that we need on Shabbat, whether food or sleep or whatever you need. And with that, we conclude these halachot and we'll move on to Pesavira. But first, we have a question. No, that's actually, it was a comment, really. Yes. Somebody commented that uh, he heard from the Direchaim, the Sanzaruf, that um, it's so important to sleep Friday afternoon that he doesn't know why it's not an Aserita Dibrot. <laughs> wow. Okay. I appreciate that comment. Thank you very, very much. Okay. Um, okay. Thank you very much. <laughs> With that, we'll move on. Okay. We'll move on, but is that the same thing in the next parasha in the halakhot? There is a halakha actually that I see over here that we skipped. One of the halakhot that we skipped over here is regarding ta'anit yahid. Okay. Fasting on Arab Shabbat. In short, very, very quickly, any fast that a person does not have to fast on Friday, you should not accept it on Friday. Why? Because it's like Avot Shabbat that you should come into Friday, into Shabbat fasting. The only time we do fast on Friday when it's an obligation. Like we just said, Asalaib Tibet, we come into Shabbat fasting. And according to Shuhana Ruch, the, the Maran that we accepted his Pesachim, Sfaradim, if you ever accept upon yourself a fast, it has to be until Motzei Shabbat, until the Seta Kochabim, until the full day. It doesn't work just the Shekiah. And therefore, even by which is like this year, fell out on Friday, we have to fast all the way into Shabbat until Lil Shabbat, and that's the Halakhaba. However, if a person doesn't have to fast on Friday, he's doing it for whatever, Kaparat Avonot, whatever it is, then he should not fast, he should not accept the Chetarat to fast on Friday afternoons. Okay, that concludes Pashad Al-Chacha. We're now moving on to Pashad Vahirab. I see there's a phone call. Let me try to figure it out. My technician just walked out. Hold on a second. Hello? Hello? J-Root? Okay, sorry, we lost that. I'm sorry, I apologize for anybody who's calling that. I'm still not exactly an expert on how to pick up the phones. So my technician will come back very, very fast and hopefully now and we'll be able to call. Just call back in five minutes. Let's continue now. Pasal Veira. Pasal Veira is an Almost a new subject, but it's a continuation almost. It talks about the halakhot of Kabbalah Shabbat and Onik Shabbat. Onik Shabbat, Rabotai, is a very important mitzvah. The Benish High has an introduction to this parasha. says a beautiful idea. We know that in every mitzvah that we have, we have this two aspects to every mitzvah. There's that which is external, what we see, the revealed, and that which is hidden. Like, similar to everything that we have in the world. There's a goof, there's a body, the hitzoniyut, and there's also the neshama, the spiritual. By Shabbat also, Ben Shai explains that there's two aspects also to Shabbat. There's the physical and there is the spiritual. When it comes to the Mizvah of Onik Shabbat, as we know, we, we said this a while ago, Vikarata la Shabbat Onig. You must have Onig, you must have pleasure on Shabbat. In Onik Shabbat also, there are two parts, there's two aspects. There's a physical pleasure which comes through eating, drinking, or for example, refraining from melacha when you're not obligated to do any hard labor on Shabbat or any of the melachot, that's also a form of pleasure. Although it's not active, it's passive, but still a form of pleasure. And there's also this spiritual pleasure, which we don't necessarily feel physically. You know, that's not, that's not going to, you're not going to feel it, but people are a little bit more sensitive to the neshama, understand that that comes from the Talmud Torah, the spiritual lights that shine on the world of Shabbat. If you read the Zohar that talks about Shabbat at length, the Pashat Yitro, 
in other places throughout the Zohar Skada, you see how he speaks about all the different Yehudim. A lot of them are very, very complicated to understand even, but the same idea he explains about all the different pleasures that take place on the spiritual realm on Shabbat Kodesh. These are also part of the Shabbat. There's a spiritual, which is what we just said, part of the Neshama, and there's a physical. So says the Benish Hai, that corresponds to the Bo'ikala. Lel Shabbat, we accept Shabbat by saying Bo'ikala. Halakha, we can learn later on that the Halakha says in Shuhana Ruh, before Shuhana Ruh, actually, in the Rishonim, it seems like the Kabbalah Shabbat is when you say, when you're praying Friday night in Shul, and you say, Baruch Hu Hashem HaMimborach. That's when a person accepts Shabbat, as we explained in the past. When you say Baruch Hashem Murach, you must accept Shabbat. You have no choice. You cannot say, I don't want to accept Shabbat. You must accept Shabbat at that time. Although it's debatable, but that's a ruling of the Cham of Adiyah. Baruch Hashem Murach, a person must accept Shabbat. The Shohan Aruch writes that Mizmor Shilom Shabbat, when we say Mizmor Shilom Shabbat in Shul, before Baruch Hashem Murach, we already accept the Shabbat. The Arizal goes a little further. The Arizal says that when you say Bo'i Kala, which is at the conclusion of the Lecha Dodi, you accepted Shabbat already. Why? Because you're inviting in the Shabbat bride. And therefore, says the Ben Ishai, this is why we say Bo'i Kala three times. It's corresponding to the three parts of the Shabbat, the three different pleasures on Shabbat. We explained that there's two parts, two pleasures in the physical aspect of Shabbat, and there's one in the spiritual. We say Bo'i Kala, Bo'i Kala, out loud, and now Pi Kabbalah is supposed to say the third time Bo'i Kala in a low tone. A whisper, Bo'ikala. So that third time corresponds to the spiritual, which is not seen. That's what we say in a whisper. And the other two times when we're saying it out loud, that corresponds to the Bo'ikala, to the two parts of the physical pleasures of that come on Shabbat Kodesh through eating and drinking and through refraining from Melacha. Another explanation that the Ben Shai explains when it comes to Bo'ikala, and he says, why do we say Bo'ikala three times? Also for another reason. We learned already in Pashat Lech Lecha that was just concluded that when a person is preparing himself for Shabbat Kodesh, he has to prepare himself in three areas. In action, like we just learned, you have to refrain from Melacha. You can't do any work. In also, you have to prepare for the Sa'udah and everything else. In re- reading, we said a person has to reach Naim Mikra, Hokle Israel. That's how you prepare yourself on Shabbat Kodesh in reading. And the third way to prepare yourself in Shabbat is through Mahashabbat. That your thoughts, like we sp- explained last week, from Wednesday, from today already, you have to prepare for Shabbat to receive the extra parts of the Neshama, the Neshama, the Ruach, and the Nefesh on Shabbat Kodesh. So therefore, we say also Bo'ikala three times for the same reason. Twice we say out loud, corresponding to the two parts of preparing yourself for Shabbat, which are revealed, which is action and speech. And one time we say Bo'ikala in a low tone, in a whisper, corresponding to prepare, preparing ourselves to accept Shabbat b'mahshava. I see a phone call. I apologize again. He didn't come back. Try again in five more minutes. I'm sorry again, Mahila. Let's continue now. We now move on to Halakha Aleph. Many Yishai says in Halakha Aleph, it's a huge Halakha. We're not going to read everything. I'm just going to read the first few lines and then jump into the next part. So he says like this. You have to say it twice out loud, like we just mentioned, and one time in a whisper. And then he says that the word boi is the same gematria, numerical value, as 13. And what is 13? 13 is the same gematria as ahava, which is love. And therefore, when you come into Shabbat Kodesh, 
you have to come in with that attitude. It has to be an attitude of love. You have to be very loving. You have to avoid all confrontation and all anger and all uh, fighting. Like we saw, you know, I don't know if we mentioned in the past or not, the Zohar says, the, the command that we find in the Torah about not desecrating Shabbat, it says in the Torah, we're going to learn it, I believe in Pashat Vayakhel, it says over there, Lo tebaru esh bechol mosh botechem. Do not burn fire, do not put on fire in all your dwellings on Yom Shabbat. Says the Zohar, this fire that's, that we're talking about over here corresponds not to just the physical fire, that's, okay, that's Asur, but says the Zohar over here, that's referring to anger. You see when a person gets angry, it's like he's put on fire. Always fire is represented with anger through the Zohar and the Gemara. So therefore, you're not allowed to get angry on Shabbat. It's forbidden to get angry on Shabbat and the Zohar actually in today's Hok Yisrael and yesterday speaks about how horrible it is when a person gets angry, his neshama leaves him, Ruach Ra comes on him. According to some opinions, that Ruach Ra never leaves him. It's very, very scary unless the person really works hard to get rid of it. Getting angry is forbidden. And even on Shabbat, it's even much worse. That The Zohar says that's what the Torah commanded you. Do not get angry on Shabbat. So I want to read you what the Ben Yishai over here brings from the Hidah. He quotes it word for word and I'm going to read you the same thing. And this is very important. Please, men, listen to this. And if if the wives are listening and their men are not listening, it's good to let him hear this. This Ben Yishai is in the middle of Halakha Aleph in Parashat Vayira. He brings something from the Hidah. He says like this, Shabbat Kodesh. You should know. When the time of Minha comes, an Ayn of Shabbat Kodesh, which is about, let's say, three hours before sunset, This is the most dangerous time for a Mahloka, for a fight to begin between a husband and wife and all the servants in the house. You know he's saying? There's the Sitra Ahra, this is the evil side, the demons are trying very, very hard right now to instigate a fight. Therefore, a person who's scared has to make sure to overcome his temptation, overcome his yetzahara, not to start up any fight. And not just not to start up a fight. A lot of times you'll know you'll bite your tongue, you bite your lip, you bite whatever it is. You're going to hold back, you're not going to fight. But inside of you, it's going to bother you. can't believe this. You believe, I told my wife to prepare for me this. I told her to prepare my suit. Well, what was, what's the big deal? All I told was to take out the black suit and and you know, just prepare for me, I'm going to wear it. I come home, that's not even ready, a small thing, the house is not in order, I ask her for this, I pay for her maid, and I do this, and she still not, she doesn't do this for me, oh, I'm a good man, I'm not going to fight, but you're going to remember it, that's called Hakfada. Even then, you have to keep in mind, says over here, the Benish Hai, why? Who's doing this? The Sitra Ahara. The, the Satan is coming and making problems in the house, he wants to start a fight, why? He knows the Torah as well as we do, he might even know better. And he knows, Do not put on a fight, do not make a fight. He knows what to do. He wants to start up a fight. He wants to make a fight on anything. And therefore, says the Ben Yishai the following, he says, Any person who starts and makes a fight with his wife or his children or his servants on Friday, Suddenly, nobody starts a fight if he doesn't think he's right. Everybody believes that they're right. And therefore, he's doing He wants to be them. He wants to educate them. It's not for his own kavod. He wants to make sure that they're all ready for Shabbat. 
However, it says Ben Yishai, in truth, if you have a brain in your skull, if you have a brain in your head, you should understand and know if there is any problem that was caused because of your children or your or your wife, it's not their fault. It's not their actions. This is all done by the Satan. In order to start up a fight at that time. Why is in the house in order? And, and your wife will swear to you that you know, just two seconds ago, right before you walked in, the house was in order. I don't know what just happened. <laughs> the whole house went upside down. And he, he says, you have to know, what do you expect the wife to do? What do you expect your children to do? If you have the Satan fighting them, he wants to get you. He wants you to start up a fight. What power do your wife and kids have to be able to fight the Satan? He has a special mission. He has all his uh, soldiers coming on Friday afternoon to every single house to make sure that you get upset. That's his tough game. If you get upset, he won. Even though you corrected them and you educate them, it doesn't make a difference. The fact that you got upset and you made a fight, and especially if you held on to the fight, you know, a lot of times out of anger and things, words are thrown, and you know, you don't forget those words, unfortunately. So therefore, he's telling you, if these things are said, and you remember them, you created a fight, he won. You lost. Therefore, what do you expect your wife to do? Who is able to say, I defeat the Yetzirah? Therefore, every person who understands, when you see any problems or anything that was not done according to your uh, uh, commands, do not blame your wife, do not blame your children, do not blame your servants to fight with them. Keep in mind what we just said, because what we said is true. Then bite your lip. Don't say anything. Don't fight and don't even feel angry inside. And if you do so, it's very good for you in this world and the world to come. It's good for you in this world. You avoided blood pressure. You avoided a stroke. You avoided all the problems. You avoided a fight with your wife and your kids. You avoided some very not nice comments that could be thrown from each side. And of course, how good it is. A person doesn't get angry and you have your nishaman with you like the Zohar says. It's very, very important to keep this in mind about that. Ladies and gentlemen, sometimes you get upset at your kids. Kids, you ever notice they have a tendency on Friday afternoon, especially get into the shower. Come on, everybody's trying to take a shower and they don't want to jump in. And these are when they're younger. When they're older, they're not getting ready. You have to tell them, of course, with you have to tell them to get ready, but you have to make sure that you should do it very, very calmly. It says, you know, my brother-in-law, Rabbi Sakabaye, and you can find him on the website. He has a few shirim. He says a very nice thing. He says, you know, it says, On Friday afternoon, you as the leader of the house, the father of the household, you have to tell everybody in the family three things. Make sure you take off ma'asir. Make sure you make eruv. And make sure you light the candles. Which means, and that's brought down in halakha, that you are like the Meshkiah. The father is like the Meshkiah of the house. He has to make sure everything is in order. Everything is prepared for Shabbat Kodesh. So he says, my brother says, well, why does it say, a person has to say inside of his house. What? Yeah, you think that I have an obligation to go and say in everybody else's house? Of course I have to say it in my house. He says, because sometimes there's two ways of saying things. 
when you're telling other people, you can tell other people off by yelling. And that's not betoch betoch. Your neighbors could hear. And uh, the people in the street could hear you yelling. Why aren't you getting ready? And then there's betoch betoch, which means to say benahat, as Rashi says. You have to say benahat. You have to say very calmly. Yeah, you have to tell them. But keep in mind that although they might not get ready, although they something always comes up Friday afternoon, it's not their fault. And you really have to keep that in mind. And it's very hard. And you're going to watch. This Friday, you're going to forget it. Because the Satan wants you to forget it. But you have to keep in mind, it's the Satan making all these problems. The worst thing you can do is make a fight about it. If it bothers you, then go fix it. If things are not ready, go prepare them. Don't make a fight about it. Don't get angry about it. Don't hold the grudge. Forget it and let it loose and you'll see you'll have a different Shabbat. As the Gemara says, that when, Malach, when, the, when the person comes into his house, two angels accompany him. And if they see the house is prepared, they say, blessing that Yehiratzon, this should be like this for the next week. If they see everything is upside down, they can say, Yehiratzon, this also should take place the next week. And if they see you getting angry, trust me, they're saying, Yehiratzon, the, the evil angel saying, Yehiratzon, that this fight should continue to the next week. And therefore, if you have a habit, drop it. You don't need to do Hatarat Nedarim for getting angry or fight every week. Drop it, forget about it, and understand that the problems that come up all of a sudden on Friday afternoons are Maaseh Satan, and you just laugh at him and you go on and you do what you have to do. Come into Shabbat with a smile. You'll see you'll have a different Shabbat. Your family will have a different Shabbat. And as the Benish High promises, Toblo ba'olam hazeh, toblo la'olam abba as well. Halakha bit. Halakha bit, Benish High talks about how a person should accept Shabbat. Now, this most of this halakhot from now, bit, gimel, dalit, will apply pretty much to men who go to shul. It's uh, very uncommon that women go to shul on Friday nights. So most of these will apply specifically to the men who go to shul on Friday nights. How they should prepare themselves in order to receive the neshama or to receive the different parts of Shabbat Kodesh. So Kabbalah Shabbat says the Ben Yishai, Say the Kabbalah Shabbat Kifi the Be'ar Rabbeinu Arizal Hukach. The way, the order of, on, of accepting Shabbat According to the result is as follows. According to the result, the best thing that a person can do is to be Mikabe Shabbat in the field, outdoors. So in Brooklyn, the most you get, you know, the, the most common thing, the most similar thing to get to a field is the trees on Ocean Parkway. You're not getting more than that. There's a few trees on Ocean Parkway and that's it. And you're lucky with that. Say Hashim. Otherwise, we don't have any fields by us. So, we don't have this option. The next option is a shul. If you have a shul, if you have a minyan, if your shul could do it, it's not an obligation. But according to the result, it's to be able to accept Shabbat, to be mekabel Shabbat outdoors in a place that's uncovered. And regardless, even if you can't do it outdoors, let's say it's winter, or you know, it's just not a place. You go to Israel, it's much more common. They do it outdoors. A lot of people, especially in Sfat, because of the result, they go outdoors. So if you could do it, that's fine. That's wonderful. But if you can't do it, this is the way a person has to do it. A person should face west. Most of the shuls here in our neighborhoods, in America really, face east because that's where Eretz Israel is. If you look at the map, America is on the west and Israel is on the east. And that's what we have to be facing Eretz Israel. So therefore, most of our shuls would be, most of them, not 100% of them, sometimes technical errors. In, the, in any case, we face the east. When we pray the Amidah, we face the east. And that's really the front of the shul. 
So according to Arizal, you're supposed to face the west when you make a bel Shabbat. Why is that so? Because when you make a bel Shabbat, you're supposed to get it from where Shabbat comes in. The sun rises in the east and it sets in the west. So being that the Shabbat is coming in really from the west because that's the where the sun is setting, so we turn towards the west and we prepare ourselves to receive Shabbat. And like we said beforehand, Shabbat is like a bride. You have a goddess, Faradi Hupa, and you see how Hatan first comes in. He waits under the Hupa, and then the Kalla, the bride, walks in. And after the bride walks halfway, the parents of the bride walk away, and then the Hatan comes in and he walks together with his Kalla and he brings her inside. Shabbat is the Kalla, is the bride. We, all of us, men and women, are. Uh, the Jewish people, we are the Hatan. And we have to bring in Shabbat. So we have to face the West where Shabbat is coming in from. And there, when Shabbat comes in, we turn, after it comes in, after we say, Boikala, Boikala, and it comes in, then we turn around and we walk in. It's like as if we're walking into the Hupa. And therefore, it says the Ben Yishai, how do you prepare yourself? First of all, stand facing the West. I'm going to just read it outside. Close your eyes if you can, and then put your left hand over your chest, Put your right hand over your left hand and then have a mind as if you're standing in front of the king, in front of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and start saying the Mizmor Le David Habul Amonai Bene Elim Habul and with this tune, everybody has their own tunes, Sfaradi Ashkenazi. And then afterwards, you say the Lechadodin, and the Lechadodin, you say Boikala Boikala. And the third time again, you say Boikala Shabbat Maketa, like we said, you say in silence. And then you say Mizmor Shilom Shabbat. And Hashem Alagud Labesh. That's the order of Kabbalah Shabbat. If you could do this without, uh, with closing your eyes, if you know the words by heart or everybody's singing, you could sing along with them, that's fine, that's beautiful, it's wonderful. If you cannot do it because um, you, you cannot close your eyes, that means because you don't know the words, you need to look in the Siddur, that's not a problem either. You could look in the Siddur. But preferably if you could close your eyes, he says, Api Sod, there's a big, big Anyan. To, for a person to close his eyes during Kabbalah Shabbat and to open them only at the end when he's already Mechabel Shabbat. It's a very, very big Apiya Son. And we mentioned over here is to face the back of the shul. Certain shuls, Baruch Hashem, they have a beautiful minhag where the whole kahal faces the back. And that's really the best way to do it, according to the Arizal, to stand and face the back. Some shuls, what they do is they stand up for the Chadodi. And this is Faradi shuls. They stand up for the Chadodi. And only towards the end, when it comes to the end of the Chadodi, they'll fa- mean to say when they come to say Boikala, they'll turn around to the west and then they'll say Boikala, Boikala, and then turn back around. The Ashkenazim, what I've seen by the Ashkenazim, is that they sit during the Chadodi and all he told them when it comes to Boikala, they'll stand up facing the back, which is the west, and then say Boikala. In any case, whichever way you know Heg, you could continue being no Heg that way. But according to the reason, if you can say the whole Le Chadodi and the main part, which is Boikala, Facing the West, that's the best thing as the bench high over here brings down. They should be able to say Boikala, and not just Boikala, but Mizmor Le David Habul Hashem Bene Elim, also facing the West. If you're in the shul where everybody's facing the front and you're the only one facing the back, especially that the rabbi is facing the front, don't face the back. Don't stick out. As a rule, we, don't, we try to do things that don't stick out. Especially if the rabbi is not facing the back, sometimes it looks like an insult. Unless you got permission from the rabbi specifically and you told him, Rabbi, is it okay that I face the back? And you see that the rabbi says it very comfortably, yes, you can, no problem, then do it. But otherwise, to go to the shul and you see, sometimes you see in the shul, maybe like 40 people facing the front, two, three people are facing the back. 
looked very weird. And especially, you have to be smart on how to do all these things, not to stick out when you do all these uh, things that look weird to the kahal. And uh, Adam, you know, you have to use your own wisdom in doing things and not to draw attention to yourself. We come to the end. We're going to have to stop over here. And we want to thank everybody for listening. And if you have any comments or any questions, I'll be here in the station for the next 10, 15 minutes. If you have any questions, I'll be here to answer the phones. And hopefully this way, it won't be on the air. But that's the shame. Hopefully we'll answer any questions or any text that you you sent in. The numbers are 718-683-5858. If you want to text in, 347-927-8398. Until then, have a wonderful week. And Shabbat Shalom.